here with Mike K. We're at MetLife Stadium. The windows are open. It's really loud in here. We're doing the best we can, just like the Eagles did at the end of the season. Uh, the Eagles won the NFC East. Um, didn't think they could do it. Uh, all they had to do was get through the Giants in the end of the season. They, they did that. It was close at first, but they pulled away. They were the better team. They're rolling even though half their team is hurt. It's like the weirdest like dichotomy because you want to have momentum going in the postseason, but you also want to be healthy. But we'll get in all the injuries and all that stuff, but the point being the Eagles won the NFC East. Doug Peterson deserves a lot of credit. Carson Wentz is healthy at the end of the season. He's the all-time passing leader for a single season for the Eagles. Um, this is something to be happy about, even if they stumbled to the finish line. Oh, is it my turn? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, you know, I think this team has proven that they're resilient. I think tonight they proved that they can be a good team regardless of the circumstances. Look, you and I talked about it after the game. This team is super beaten up, and there's going to be teams that want to play them for that reason. That said, they are playing with the with resolve that, like... I mean, they never panic. It's incredible. And it's amazing. And that's dangerous to me. Uh, the Seahawks are almost equally banged up. I mean, they still have some I don't know if anyone's almost equally banged up. Right, well, but, like, but relative like, like they're relatively teams, yeah. banged up. And I think... Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks are the team, if you could pick any of the playoff teams, you'd want to play them the most. Right, especially because you had one bite at the apple, and you probably should have won that game. Yeah, Carson Wentz has had three turnovers or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah and, and the Seahawks don't, you know, do that trick play. I think they win that game. Also, worth noting, the reason why I want to do want the Seahawks to be the opponent is because that was the game that you missed this season. Oh, so yeah, you'll get you, you'll get another <laughs> chance. Yeah, that's when I was covering uh, Giants that week. Right. So um, hey, Giants tonight. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's, there's symmetry here. Um, look, the Eagles are four zero. Yeah, and they've beaten nothing but division opponents. Those are the teams that know you the best. Those are the teams that give you a relatively hard time. I mean, the Giants and the Redskins haven't haven't been it the last couple of years against the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles have now won 11 of the last 12 games against the Giants. Um, I'm pretty sure this game single-handedly, not single-handedly, but this pretty much capped Pat Shermer's career as a head oh, coach. Yeah, he, yeah, he's done. Um, like, but you look at, let me, let me list some names of guys that maybe some casual fans have never heard of. Matt Pryor, uh, Deontay Burnett, Rob <laughs> Davis, Boston Scott. Boston Scott. Um, you know, Craig James, Alex Singleton, uh, Anthony Rush, TJ Edwards. All of those guys have contributed in some form or fashion over the last four weeks. And I think it speaks to the culture. Oh, Marcus Epps. I think it speaks to the culture. Oh, Craven LeBlanc. Uh, the list goes on, but I think it speaks to the culture that Doug peterson has really created here you can criticize his play calling you can criticize the way he handles certain injuries you can criticize some of his members of his staff but when you really look at what this team's been able to do over the last three seasons not just this season this is a team that always believes in itself and whatever messaging he's giving behind the scenes everyone's bought in yeah you know it's funny it almost seems like this is just going to be the way it is with the team every year where they have this terrible start where it's like, all right, Doug Peterson, 
needs to figure this out, and then he goes and figures it out. It's kind of like the way the games usually go. It's like he starts slow, then he figures it out by the end. He does that for the full season. You'd wish for the sake of our coverage where we could get some blowout wins here and there maybe, or yeah, it'd be nice know, for to the go sake home. of their blood pressure that they could make it easier on themselves. But this is kind of the reality of like where the Eagles are at. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like so hard to, to even like project. They're going to be the underdogs no matter what game they're playing in the playoffs. Like, no matter who they play, they're going to be the underdogs. Yeah, Brandon um, Graham straight up said that. He oh, said he? people yeah. are immediately going to yeah. just say yeah. that we're... we're and, I mean, and they should they should be the underdogs. Like that's Given the, the injuries, yeah yeah. yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. And we can get into that in a second. But, like, Doug Peterson, I mean, this... The stuff he does here, you can be an amazing play caller, and that's, that's not even what this is. Him getting his team to play hard for him in Week 17 when everybody's going down. When you make Boston Scott look like he's Darren Sproles. When you make Deontay Burnett... <laughs> look like a guy that's been here all year when he just joined the team basically the last week and he only signed a couple weeks ago to the practice squad. Like, for them to be able to do that over and over again, and we'll talk about this later, I think Mike Groh probably has saved his job over the last few weeks. I think that's pretty – everybody complimented him today. That seemed like it was on purpose. Um, but you can feel pretty good. Like, if they had lost today, then we would be pretty critical of the season and all the things they did wrong and all the personnel moves they made that were wrong and have the way they handled certain things, but they, they came back and they beat the Giants when they needed to beat the Giants, and now it's a new season. Yeah, and, you know, once you get in the dance, you get in the dance. I think there's a clear path for the Eagles to go on a run. I'm not saying they will. I just think, like, this team to me, with the way they handle adversity, is scary because they're playing with house money, essentially. Like, this was a They shouldn't ter- be here. Yeah. yeah, they shouldn't be here. This is a terrible division. They they have lost so many starters to injuries. Uh, there are guys contributing who weren't even on the practice squad three weeks ago. Deontay Burnett yeah. caught a 41-yard pass. He was on the he signed on the practice squad three weeks ago. Point me to the Nelson Aguilar play like that this year. Like, well, you look at Greg Ward. Greg Ward's Greg outperformed Ward. Nelson Aguilar's first half of the season. Really, in, I mean, in like five games. Yeah, yeah. It's you know. When you look at the way other teams handle adversity, let's look at the Patriots. The Patriots have had some injuries. They can't get wide receivers to produce. Yeah, they've got a 12-4 and record. They're going to go into this playoffs as, as a team without a first-round bye. They've never won a Super they Bowl. lost the Dolphins this week. They don't have right. momentum. Brady looks old again. <laughs> the Jets fell apart when Sam Darnold wasn't around. I mean, the Browns, Freddie Kitchens just got fired because he couldn't handle the personalities in in the Cleveland locker I mean, look, at the, look at the Chargers every year. I mean, yeah, the Chargers every they, year. The Jaguars. I mean, like yeah, there are so many that, that can never overcome that stuff. Right. And this team, with the injuries they have, are probably less talented on paper than all of those teams we just mentioned right now. I mean, the amount. Well, except for the Jaguars. Uh, <laughs> but like, you look at the way that they have kind of bounced back and handled theirs. I just, it's tough to to pick against them. And right now, if if you say that they're gonna, if you say that we'll get into the, like both the possible opponents later, so you get to throw out five minutes of this podcast, just a little bit, we'll touch on it. But to me, if they're playing Seattle, I think I'm picking the Eagles right now. Yeah, I'll like, me too. 
I, I mean, I think like the Eagles are hoping for Seattle. I think. Yeah, I mean, they want another bite at the apple, and I think San Francisco is a better team than the. Something Seahawks. Malcolm Jenkins said in the locker room really struck me. He goes, "We don't care who we're playing in the next round. Like right now, we know that we've won the division, and we've just got to keep doing what we're doing." And I think that that's the key here: is they focused on themselves and what they need to improve. Jim Schwartz has called really good defensive game plans in three of the last four games. Doug Peterson has been able to utilize guys like Josh Perkins and Richard Rogers and Boston Scott in major roles. Uh, Jordan Howard like entered the game for like a play and there was a penalty on it, so it didn't even really uh, even count. Apparently, he wasn't supposed to actually play today. In yeah, an emergency. Yeah. Right, he was clearly doing the JGI thing. But you know, we should bring up the injuries. Yeah, yeah. Because well, the, so let's get into that now. Yeah, they're major. It looked concerning. Mm-hmm. Um. We'll start. Miles Sanders happened first. So we'll, we'll bring up him. Brandon Brooks was the other one, just to get that out of the way. Uh, Miles Sanders hurt his ankle. He went to the medical tent. Then he left the game, and then he never came back. And then he he was quickly declared questionable return. Then he was declared out in, in the, the third, second, in the third, third quarter. quarter. Yeah. And then Brandon Brooks. Um, I mean, if it's ankle, depending on the level. I mean, you're seeing it with Lane Johnson. Clearly, he, if Lane Johnson could physically do it, he'd be doing it. And he yeah. can't play right now. And he might not be able to play next week, for all we know. Yeah. Um. Uh. And we'll also have to talk about Zach Ertz in that regard. But so Miles Sanders, I'm concerned about his availability next week. Brandon Brooks looked like he really re hurt himself. He was on the ground for a while. It was his shoulder. He had to get carted off with a shoulder injury, which kind of says a lot. Yeah. Um, he was kind of he had to hold it up. It was like his arm was like up when he went out on the cart. He looked sad. The guys all went up to him on the cart. He was declared questionable immediately, like as soon yeah. as he left the field, and then he was declared out. I'd be surprised if those guys played next week, and if the Eagles kept winning, maybe. Maybe Sanders. I don't know, but I mean that's all speculation. But that that's problematic. Zach Ertz uh, reports came out today that he also lacerated his kidney last week. It doesn't look very good that they let him play after he got hurt after hearing that. But I mean he probably pushed for that. Well, they also um, discovered the last yeah, yeah, yeah. kidney. I know, play. but yeah, you know I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, but the point being, it sounds like he probably won't play again this year unless they make the Super Bowl. Um, like I said, Lane Johnson, Jalen Mills was kind of like a. Everybody just assumed he was going to play, and then it got to the game time, and he didn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was what was it, ankle? Yep, a lot of ankle injuries at the end of the year. Ankle and foot injuries. That's that's this like year. a wear and tear type mm-hmm. thing. It seems like. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, these are all Jalen Mills, maybe less than the other guys, because I think the corners played okay. They didn't play great today. Played okay. Yeah. But like, how how do you rank the level of concern you have for the those four guys? Lane Johnson, uh, Miles Sanders. Uh, Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz. And Brandon, well, five and guys. Brandon, Brandon Brooks yeah. and uh, Jalen Mills. Yeah. Uh, Jalen would probably be the lowest on my totem yeah. pole. Mills, or sorry, yeah, Miles would be number one. This guy is the most dynamic player on this offense. He, you know, Zach Ertz is Mr. Dependable, but Miles Sanders is Mr. Uh, explosive. Mr. Big Play, yeah. Mr. Big Play. And, Mr. Worldwide, even. I don't know. <laughs> uh, whoa. Okay, sorry, that was like I'm a Mike. That was like a Mike joke a little bit. Yeah, it was. Um, what have you done to me? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, look, the Boston TD party was alive and present in this game. You've been waiting for that. Yeah, I have. Um, but, yeah, Miles is, is, the, straw, is the straw that's going to stir this drink against good teams and look Jordan Howard they might have just kind of been giving him one more week since he just got cleared for contact maybe he's a big part of the game plan with Boston Scott next week I think Boston can do some of the stuff that Miles does and next week's gonna be a ground and pound sort of thing I don't think it's gonna be a high scoring game regardless um I think they can get by a week without him I just like if I'm the Eagles if and he can play even at 75 percent he can help 
Um, from there, I would say Brooks, just because we saw the way they fell apart against the Saints last year when he went out. Um, oh, yeah. Matt Pryor's also probably the least experienced of the guys that would fill in for an injured player. I'm not as concerned about Lane because Vitae had a rough moment in the first half. But, like, outside of that, he's had rough moments in back-to-back games, but, but there are only one fine, moment. Yeah. He, overall, he's been fine. Carson Wentz really isn't getting sacked. Uh, the pressure isn't always there. They're doing a lot of design rollouts. They're giving help. Um, yeah, the Giants had one sack total. Yeah, I mean, look, Zach Ertz is kind of a big deal. Against a good against good teams, he's a big deal, yes. Yeah, and he's and I've said it before, I think he might be the most clutch player in Eagles history. Yeah, and, and defenses have to account for him. Like, that, they do, well, the Giants yeah. usually don't. <laughs> but if they didn't have Dallas Goddard, yeah. they'd be screwed. Oh, yeah, they're definitely but, a little, but... Like, it, it's like, everyone has said that because I said the Eagles are in trouble without Zach Gertz in the playoffs, but it's twofold. Like, Zach, having Dallas Goddard is at its best when you also have Zach Gertz. When I Dallas agree. Goddard is your number one option, then you're in trouble. Like, I think Dallas Goddard is awesome, but they don't have the other options to where that, like, is viable. I was actually really impressed by Josh Perkins today. I thought he, you know, that touchdown catch that he had, and, um, you know, he's getting open relatively often. Uh Look, here's the thing, though. They are probably going to get Nelson. I would assume they would get Nelson Aguilar back maybe in the next couple of weeks. Whatever. If they beat the Seahawks, they'll get Deshaun Jackson back most likely. Yeah, even if it's just like a decoy. I'd imagine Lane Johnson's back either next week or the week after. They've got Jordan Howard back. They're going to be very hurt next week. So if they can beat the Seahawks, then everything everything already is gravy at this point. But if you can beat the Seahawks and then you all of a sudden start getting these guys back, they can make some noise. Well, and consider this. This is an Eagles team that's won four straight games. Yeah, they're banged up, but they've won four straight games. They're also going home right now. Yep. Um, they're feeling their, themselves pretty something fierce. Carson Wentz was, like, out here dealing passes that, frankly, were dangerous, but he could make them, and he made them. Um, and whoever they play next week will be coming off an emotional letdown of losing the division, and then they have to travel to the East Coast. So I think depending on when that game is, I think you, you can feel pretty good about the Eagles. I'm not saying they would beat the 49ers. I think they have a shot if they're playing the 49ers. I think this team can beat any team outside of the Saints right now. They have a shot. I think the Niners are a tough matchup, but, yeah, they can. Yeah, they are, but, I mean, they're if you're in the playoffs, you're going to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? So yeah. um, I'm just telling you, teams can't take this this Eagles team lightly, and I think that if you're an Eagles fan, you really should appreciate that because they have a way of having guys step up, like, organically in when they need to. Like, Matt Pryor stepped in. The chemistry on the offensive line didn't even just, you know, it wasn't like a thing. Like, it, like, it was like Brandon Brooks never left, which says something because Brandon Brooks is easily the best offensive lineman on this, uh, on this line to play tonight. I mean, I think Lane Johnson gave him a run for his money, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, again, I can't say enough positive things about the way Doug Peterson has kept this group together. Right, let's talk a little bit about the game itself. Um, Carson Wentz, he had a, he had a pretty good game, uh, two, 23 of 40, 289, one touchdown. Like I mentioned, he got first 4,000-yard season in Eagles history, which is good. Um, yeah, that's pretty okay. <laughs> the throw he had to Josh Perkins was pretty ridiculous. Threw it across one where, his body. Yeah. Another one, when, when you get Carson Wentz out of the pocket, like he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And they weren't really doing that enough in the first half of the season, but like he, he. What, so what happened on the play? He like he like rolled out and then he like threw it over. So he he rolled out to his right, yeah, and then threw to his left, with 
Perkins one-on-one, trusted him to go up and get it, and it was a touchdown. That's what it was. It was a touchdown score. That's what it was. Josh Perkins getting a touchdown in Week 17 to help the Eagles get to the playoffs is pretty. I mean, look. Classic 2019 Eagles. <laughs> yeah, I, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, look at they had what four touchdown drives. Boston Scott had three of them, and Josh yeah. Perkins had one. You know, just like they wrote it up. <laughs> um, so I so I'd say. So the first half, the storylines were that touchdown and all the injuries, probably. Sure. Uh, the weather was a factor, so they were all, you know, the, the Eagles went for a fourth and seven instead of doing a 56-yard field goal. Well, that was fourth and five. I think what, it was what? fourth and seven. Oh, okay. Um, either way, it was yeah. fourth and mid to long. Uh, and He's so ballsy, that Doug Peterson. And they didn't get it. Uh, but So then the second half comes, the Giants score. It's 10 to 10. Eagles score again, and then Saquon Barkley immediately he has a 68-yard run where you're starting to feel like, uh-oh. Um, and that's kind of like where Carson Wentz even admitted that was a turning point. You know, that's kind of where they buckled down. Like, where were you, where were you, where was your headspace after Saquon ran for that touchdown? I wanted to see what they would do on the next drive. And what they did on the next – right? The next drive was yeah, the field goal drive. Yeah, 62 yards. Yeah. Um, Boston Scott touchdown. Like, that's the thing with me, too, is, like, just gut feeling. Like, I came into this game. I think you and I talked about it beforehand. We were like, they're going to lose. Yeah. Like, well, because you start hearing all the injuries and all that stuff. Yeah, and it was just like, you know, maybe they're not luck, but maybe their goodwill tour had kind of, you know, every now and then you're due a loss, right? And so, yeah, I you get kind of that feeling, you know, it's it didn't start to rain yet, which was interesting. Um and then as we got into the game, I, I don't think at any point in the game I thought they were going to lose. Uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't start writing my uh, games game forwarding story, I think, what, until like four minutes left in the game. So, yeah, because yeah, you had to adjust a little bit. Yeah. Kind of um, happens sometimes. But, yeah, uh, so they, they bounced right back from that. Um, I guess we should talk about Boston Scott a little bit. Oh, you I know, think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so he 19 carries, 54 yards, three touchdowns. Four catches, team high, 84 receiving yards. Um, even more than, like, because we talked about Greg Ward a lot over the last few weeks. Like, Boston Scott, they've uncovered something here, it seems like. Oh, for sure. I think I think Boston this, this one, I don't know if this was Joe Douglas last year who found him on the Saints practice squad or, or who thought it was a good idea to add him, but it's really, truly, really, really worked out. Yeah, I would say. Um, you know, I think for for this Eagles team... That he's kind of, like, he and Greg Ward are kind of like the scrappy guys that have shown, like, you can find talent on the practice squad and find contributors. They're also guys who are really hard on themselves. They don't really take anything for granted. And I think when you play like you've been through a lot of adversity in your career, and this could be your last carry, which is how Boston Scott runs. Boston Scott runs run like, hard, yeah. like every, every snap could be his last. And I think... He's kind of inspired some guys on the team. I think Greg Ward's inspired some guys on the team, and rightfully so. These guys are playing like there's no tomorrow, and that's the exact mindset Doug Peterson, Jason Peters, Brandon Graham, and a bunch of other veterans have subscribed to, and guys are following along. I mean, and the best part of all that is the Eagles now, and Greg Ward and Boston Scott and some of these other guys, they have these young guys under contract next year for super cheap. So they finally have some, like, young talent they can hang their hat on a little. Like, these guys aren't stars by any stretch, but the fact that you can go into next season with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, you know they're here. You know Greg Ward and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who was also banged up, didn't really play much today, by the way. Uh, they're going to be here. It seems like Deontay Burnett might be a player. 
Robert Davis had a nice catch that was called back because of a hold. Like, I'm not saying all these guys are going to be here next year or anything, but, like, there's something to the youth being the reason why these, they're playing well as opposed to them relying on Jordan Matthews for the 40th time. Yeah, I mean, and well... Guys, and Anderson Dejo and guys like that. You say that. I spoke to Richard Rogers, who they brought back, and... <laughs> that, that was like, hey, we... We, you, we, you, we, you, we just need you. You up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You up um, next end. I just <laughs> think... Uh, I think the... The 53-man roster ecosystem that they've built is that they're going to reward guys who are with them from the jump. You know what I mean? They're going to re- And there's, what, seven guys that have been raised up from the practice squad? I mean, Richard Rodgers was a guy who was with them in training camp. Uh, you know, they've brought guys back because they're good fits for the locker room and they know... It's better to bring up the guy you know than the guy you don't know. And I, I think these guys have kind of fit into, into place, and that's really important. Um, the other huge play that we should mention is uh, the, the forced fumble. As my, like, baby <laughs> monitor some, for some reason goes <laughs> off. Sorry about that. But there wasn't enough noise already in the yeah. background. Brent, Brent crying. Is yeah. But, yeah. Uh, um, so when did that happen? That was in the fourth quarter early on. Uh, who f- Fletcher forced it, right? Well, no. So it was a low snap. Daniel Jones bobbled it, oh, okay. picked it up. Oh, yeah, Mal- Fletcher Cox like shoved him out of the way to keep him from getting the ball. Right. Actually, Malcolm yeah. Jenkins knocked the ball out once he regained possession, and then Fletcher Cox did his thing. Um, I mean, I, the defense really stepped up today. I mean, I, so at one point, I I like pointed out that Jim Schwartz was saving the Eagles' season because the defense was just shutting them down while the offense was like falling apart because everybody was breaking all their limbs. Um, and then Saquon had that long run. But if you like your – I know the if you remove thing is, is pretty cliche, but if you remove that one long run, this was a really, really good game. I, I know Razul got beat a couple times. He's just not good against fast receivers. That's yeah. just reality. Uh, but I thought he played overall yeah, pretty yeah. – it was an okay I performance. I mean, the pass rush was working pretty well. I think Derek Barnett had two sacks. Brandon Graham had one. Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll end with, what, eight and a half sacks? That's yeah. That's a good season. I, I mean, mean, he forced basically one of Burnett, Barnett's. Yeah, yeah, because so. that's why I thought I thought he got that at the second one. Yeah. Um. Six and a half sacks, I believe, for Barnett, which is solid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't know. The, the fan base was a little quieter about Jim Schwartz today. Yeah, well, and they should be. Um, look, I I think Jim Schwartz is, at, at worst, a, a top ten defensive coordinator in this league. And if you're going to fire him, you've got to find the right guy. Look, Ron Rivera is going to get a job. He's going to get a head coaching job. It just is what it is. Um, you know, Marvin Lewis is not going to go back to being a defensive coordinator. It's just not going to happen. Um, and, and look, good defensive coordinators are still in the league because their They're teams good. win. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, look, Jim Schwartz has been the defensive coordinator for a team that's won, gone to the playoffs three straight years, won two division titles in three years. At times when Nick Foles has struggled, Carson Wentz has struggled, there have been a plethora of injuries on both sides of the ball. Like, he's got to have his due. I mean, like, at some point, he's got guys like Craven LeBlanc, who people left for dead. I remember the podcast when we they picked him up, and we were talking about it, and I was praising the heck out of him. I got made fun of by the entire journalist group, or beat group, because it was like, you know, he's just like a, like a fill-in corner. No, the dude's balling. He had a great night tonight. Yeah. Um, Sidney Jones, a guy that people have left for dead, has, he had a pick tonight yeah. and played well. Like, it's... 
there's something to be said about this defensive staff. They've had a new cornerback, it seems like, every single game play a major role, and that's a big deal. Most guys would shrink up after the treatment that Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas have received over the last three years, being off and on and having bad moments and then being benched and not getting their turn and stuff like that. Corey Udland's got these guys playing like, you know, they're full-time starters. I just think it's like a really impressive feat for this defense specifically. The offense has done well because they have a good offensive line. They, you know, they've been able to withstand stuff. You know, Jeff Stoutland's maybe one of the top five position coaches in the entire league. Um, they've just been able to overcome. You, you, you've seen them adjust. Jim Schwartz really isn't adjusting. He's coaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so before we like talk a little bit about their two possible opponents, we don't want to like dwell on it too much just because by the time some people listen to this, uh, that game will be decided. But was there anything like from the locker room that you saw? I know they were wearing shirts that said the East is not enough, so clearly they have their eyes on more than just winning the division. It wasn't like a crazy celebratory locker room as maybe you would expect, but everybody was pretty happy. Uh, Rick Lovato had a funny shirt on about how he like loves the haters or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and in the post-game press conference, so Howard Eskin asked the first question, and he was like, what was the post-game scene like? And he's like, Howard, do you like dancing? <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't hear what Howard said. <laughs> he's like, well, it was I like that. I would assume he probably well, it was, does. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a lot of dancing. It, it was great. Um, yes, I was told that the song The Box by Roddy Rich was the song that played when they were in the locker room. If you want to find Good that. Info. <laughs> yeah, uh, Greg Ward told me. Your buddy, Greg Ward. Um, Good guy. Uh, so if you want to look that up on YouTube, I don't know if that has a lot of explicit language. I literally just put it up. <laughs> Mike's on not endorsing it. He's yeah, I'm not. As a parent, I understand where you're coming from. If, you, if you're listening to this with your child or your wife or your husband or whatever, and you don't really like potty language, I get it, man. I get it. But so, so, so was there anything uh, cool or interesting you heard in the locker room or? I'm trying to think back. It was like a whirlwind. Um, I thought Malcolm Jenkins said something interesting where he was asked, when, when they lost to the Dolphins, if he saw this coming, he said, yeah, because we I knew that it was going to go one or two ways. We were going to tailspin out of the playoffs or we were going to get our junk together and, and make a run, and that's what they've done. I think the important message to take away, like, you and I left them for dead. Like, yeah, we'll admit it, we sure. left them Absolutely. for dead. I Like, my headline was, Dolphins prove why the Eagles don't deserve in the pl- to be in the playoffs. And at that time, they didn't. They did not deserve it, yeah. Now they do. Uh, I mean, sort I mean, of. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> relative like, to the NFC East, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I they're, mean. They're the least bad team in the NFC East. The least bad team. Uh, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, a lot of layers. Uh, but not really, it's pretty simple. <laughs> whatever, anyway. So, I think... Moving forward, this team's got a lot of confidence. Like, uh, I talked to TJ Edwards about what Jim Schwartz does to prepare the guys, you know, the backups for injuries. And they're always kind of just part of the game plan. They always get these extra reps. I talked to Matt Pryor, who said Jeff Stoutland, even when he was inactive every game last year, or almost every game last year, Stalin said, hey, you know what? The injuries might not happen this year, but they're going to happen. They're coming. You're eventually going to have to play. And then look at what he did this week. Like, stepped up, played right guard, you know, and did his thing. Um, I just think this team has the right mindset moving forward. They know that they're beaten up. They know they're going to be underdogs. 
and they play at their best with their backs against the wall. Part of the reason why I was skeptical about this game is they were no longer the underdogs. They were supposed to win this game. They had the division in their hands. There was everything set up for them to have an emotional letdown, and then bam. Uh, but now they're going to be the underdogs every week, and that's when they play their best football. So watch out. I mean, I think this could be another Bears game where – they come in, nobody's expecting them to play well. They hold the score tight, and at the end, you know, crazier stuff happens. Yeah. Um, so, just to, I'm not sure what's going on with the game right now. It doesn't really matter anyway. But uh, So, the 49ers have probably the best defense in the NFL, or the second best. Their defensive line is unreal. Their pass rate. If you don't have Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson, that's scary. Uh, they have Emmanuel Sanders, who's probably the best receiver they would face out of those two teams. Uh, he's been really good for them. Uh, George Kittle is an absolute beast. Uh, that He's going to be very difficult to cover um, mm-hmm. if, if they were to play the 49ers. And offensively, they're the best running team. or They're like second best in rushing offense in the NFL. They have That's like th- typical to Shanahan yeah, offense. Yeah, right? yeah, they have three running backs that are really good. They have a good offensive line. And they have Richard Sherman in the secondary who's playing at a Pro Bowl level. So I there's a lot of... There's less good matchups with the Eagles in that game than the Seahawks, where the Seahawks are a run-heavy team that has no running backs left. They just signed Marshawn Lynch off the street. Um, the receivers, they don't have Josh Gordon anymore. They had him the last time they, these two teams played. Yeah, uh, basically, almost basically yeah. decided the final drive yeah, with the slant yeah. route. Dwayne yeah. Brown is banged up for them. He's their one of their offensive linemen, and their He's offensive line already yeah. isn't that good. Uh, their defense has some talent, has Jadavion Clowney and some other guys, but it's not like you're not as scared of it as the San Francisco one. So I... I mean, we pretty much said this, but Seattle is, like, the obvious we want that team matchup, right? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, if you want, like, a, a viewing point of when we're doing this podcast, there's 5.54 left in the second quarter, and the 49ers are up 13 nothing, and Russell Wilson's 3 of 7 for 16 yards. Oh, they're already yards. up 13 nothing. Wow. Yeah, and Russell Wilson's 3 of 7 for 16 yards. Marshawn Lynch is 2 carries for 7 yards. They're starting Travis Homer. Listen, boys and girls, if you're an Eagles fan, you want Seattle. Yeah. You want yeah. Seattle. I would say, of anything, though, if there's anything for the Seahawks and or against the Seahawks, it'd be that I'm more scared of Russell Wilson than Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure, I, I but, agree with that. But, but there's, like, the stuff around him isn't as good. Right, and listen, there's going to be holes in this defense. Uh, I think Dallas Goddard could have a similarly good game to what uh, Kittle could do. Um Look, if Carson's going to play like this, oh, wow, George Kittle already has five catches for 74 (laughs) yards, and there's, again, 544 left in the second quarter. So you know that you can scheme and game plan a tight end against them. Uh, Obviously, Goddard's not as talented as Kittle just yet or hasn't realized that potential. Yeah, yeah, he's the best tight end. Even Hurts is probably not as good as him. Um, Look, I I really like the Seattle matchup for the Eagles, and – um, everything's coming up Eagles right now. And look, Doug Peters, look, they're going to be unbearable to deal with if they win this Super Bowl. I'm not even going to be able to write write anything negative. Like, I'm not. I'm just like, I'm not. Because they'll there, constantly there be like. There is a report about uh, Brandon Brooks right now. Let me read it. Uh, for me and Rappaport, he said, Brandon Brooks, who left today's game in a card, suffered a dislocated shoulder that was popped back into place. We'll have scans tomorrow to learn the damage, and his status for the weekend is uncertain. So dislocated shoulder. That's actually like. that's actually a little bit more positive than I thought it yeah, was. Yeah, I thought he tore his tricep or his pack or something. Yeah, so that, I mean, relative to what we thought it might be, that's, I still don't know if he plays next week, but 
Yeah, I mean, like, if you watch the replay Maybe of it... It's a non-zero chance now, at least. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing with Zach Ertz, where it's like, hey, you know, you want to stay on the optimistic side, but probably not going to happen. And lacerated kidney just sounds... To, I don't, I, maybe it's not as bad as it sounds, it, It's but bad. Like, the word lacerated is not one you want to associate yeah. with part of your body. Well, it's an it. organ. You know, it's an organ. You know? You know, it's an organ. <laughs> it's not an organ duck. It's an organ, you know? Um, but uh, those are two separate words. Um, wow. But anyway... Uh, what were we talking about again? <laughs> oh yeah, Seahawks. Uh, if you're if you're an Eagles fan, I mean this it's already probably happened by the time you're listening to this. Uh, Seattle is who you want. You should feel very good about Seattle. Uh, and you know what? I really think the Eagles have found some people. You know what's interesting? And we talked about this last year. And you still want to give guys competition and fill out the roster in the offseason, obviously an upgrade. But I think the Eagles have found some players over the last two years because of how terrible this, this plague of injuries has been. Like, look, Matt Pryor didn't impress me at all during training camp. I was pretty adamant I thought he was not very good. He's been in spot duty against the Seahawks and spot duty against the Giants and played well in both. Uh, so he could be a backup, long-term backup. Um, you know, especially with Brooks suffering injuries and, stu- and stuff. Um, look, Greg Ward should be competing for the starting slot job next year. He can be the the cheap replacement for Nelson Aguilar. You're still going to draft a guy, but ideally, I think with this offense, you want to have a slot committee, but that's here nor there. Um, but you're going to have to pay Alshon Jeffrey, and you're going to have to probably pay a lot of Deshaun Jackson, so it makes sense. It's logical. Uh, you look at the corners. I mean, they're probably going to re-sign Jalen Mills, I would think, at this point, but... You can say goodbye to Ronald Darby because you've seen in flashes what Craven LeBlanc and, and Avante Maddox and Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones have done to the point where if you draft another guy or sign another guy, you kind of feel good about the depth there. Uh, linebacker TJ Edwards looks really good. He might be the replacement for Nigel Bradham. I, these guys are getting invaluable experience during a playoff push, and I think that's something that you can also take away with. Even if you don't feel like they can have a long run in the playoffs, there's a lot of positives here. The Eagles aren't going to look at this season as being a success if they lose in the first round of the playoffs. That's just not how they think. But I do think they have to feel very good about their depth for the future. Maybe not their starters, but their depth. You know, I th- Do you agree with that? Yeah, because like, yeah, these, these are all guys that... Ideally, they don't have to play these huge roles in the future, but right. they're capable of doing it, which is what their backups early in the season weren't, it seemed like. So, can we talk a little, the starters, can we talk a little bit more about Carson Wentz? I know you want to wrap up, but um, how impressed have you been over this last month with oh, his play? Very. He's, I think he's changed the narrative around himself mm-hmm. single-handedly, even if maybe they shouldn't have been in those close games that he led them in game-winning drives. Like The fact that he did that was a step up. Um He's really taken owner. You, he, they've done him mic'd up twice in the last month, which I'm sure was on purpose. Uh, and you can just kind of he interacts with like every single guy on the team, um, and he, it just really seems like they're rallying around him more than they ever have, at least since 2017, where like it was a question of why did they only rally for Nick Foles? You'll notice nobody has talked about Nick Foles today because they didn't have to because he's healthy. And Carson Wentz, you know, he had a. If you look at the num- pure numbers, he had a very good season. I think that num- the numbers don't tell the whole story on, on his season. It was it was a bumpy one at times. But I think you're going to start hearing the MVP hype again for him going into next year. I think he needed to get past this hump of playing 16 games. I think yeah. he needed to get into the playoffs, and that was important. If he can get a playoff win, 
I think yeah. I think you're gonna you're gonna see. You know, there are guys like Matt Stafford who have been to the playoffs, but you wouldn't view them as like a top five guy. Um, Philip Rivers has hovered around the top five his entire career, but not really necessarily been like the biggest winner. Um, you know, I think there's some shine off Aaron Rodgers even in recent years because they really haven't had the success that they had early on in his career. Carson's building momentum. The NFL's kind of had like this youth movement at the quarterback position where Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and, uh, you know, um, other guys. Sorry, off the top of my head, I'm, I can't even think about it. But Carson can be part of that group, and I think Carson is part of that group. And like you said, I think he single-handedly changed the narrative. He, he really has. Like, there's nobody saying Carson Wentz can't be a winner. Carson Wentz isn't a franchise quarterback. At least nobody educated enough on the subject. Uh, some of the throws that he made in this game and that he's made over the last month are crazy. Yeah. Crazy boys. Like, Although I will say if he goes and throws three picks or turns it over three times against the Seahawks again, then that noise might get louder again. But he at least silenced it for a little while, which is saying a lot considering how unbearable the first 12 weeks of the season were on radio waves. Right. And you know what? They've been in playoff mode for four weeks. Yeah. Like he's won playoff games essentially if you want to – consider them that and i think moving forward it's a there's it's something you can build off of and look this team's playing with house money and they're playing without fear or any hesitation and that's scary if you're a team like the seahawks who just lost to the cardinals at home and are now likely to lose to the 49ers like think about that that like that that's crazy you know they're if, if they if the seahawks are the team that they draw the seahawks are coming off two major losses against division opponents two games that they needed to have and here they are, they're playing an Eagles team that doesn't give an F. I did that for you, Carson, because I know you're probably listening. Um, like, that's impressive. Like, and that's scary. That's a scary challenge. This team weathers storms. Like they did tonight in yeah, rain. Yeah, weathered a storm tonight. Yeah, so to speak. And, and we're going to have to brave the storm to get back to the car. I know you guys yeah. are really worried for us. Um, Especially Zach. You know, he's delicate. But yeah, um, I said, for a story I have coming out tomorrow, I sat in the stands for the first half. So I was braving the elements way more than you were tonight. You were. Yeah. I, you'll get no debate from me on that one. Um, it wasn't fun. Okay, uh, yeah. we'll end on that note. Um, subscribe to Eagles Extra. Leave us some comments, write us some reviews, and now that we're in playoff mode, we're going to be getting you some playoff mode podcast. And playoff mode podcast. We're excited for the next week, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Oh yeah, send us your questions on on Eagles Extra when you get a chance. What what are you looking forward to most about this potential playoff run? Obviously, other than the Super Bowl, who's who's the player you think can be the X factor? Send us your uh, your responses. We want to hear from you. All right, thanks guys.